thank you, Barbara, as well, for reading that. It's nice to be back at the 11.30. I haven't been here in led or spoken for quite a while, I don't think. So, good to see you all. Thank you. At least one person's happy to see me, that's good. So, if you don't know, we're in a series at the moment called Made for Good. And we're exploring this incredible uh, biblical truth that through Christ, every single one of us has a good purpose. There's good works for us to do. And it's beautifully uh, summed up in sort of the verse which is at the heart of this uh, Made for Good series, which is Ephesians 2.10. And it says this, for we, that's all of us here, are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared beforehand to be our way of life. That's my favorite translation of that verse. It's not from the church Bibles, but it's from the NRSV translation, but I think it just beautifully captures that we are made for good works and God wants that to be sort of the natural way that we live. We have good purpose. And so in this Made for Good series, we're exploring how God has made and shaped us, perhaps a bit like a potter through our different aspects of, uh, of our life, through the experiences that we go through. And that's what uh, we looked at last week. This week, we're looking at how God can shape us through our personalities and our natural abilities. And then in the future weeks, we're going to be looking at our heart's desire. That's the things we're passionate about. And also the spiritual gifts that each of us have. And if you're clever enough, you'd have worked out that the start of all those letters spell out the word shape. How God has shaped us. As we look in, uh, before we dive into the passage we've, we've got today, though, let me, let me pray before I go any further. Lord, I want to thank you. That every single one of us here is your handiwork. Thank you that you have good for each and every one of us to do. There is a good purpose. I pray as we go on this course and particularly now as we look at these words from scripture from um, Corinthians that you would make it clear to us the path that you are calling us to go on and the shape that you are making and molding us to be. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in classic Richard style and probably many other people's style, I've got three points that I'm going to go through today. They're all quite simple and all reasonably obvious, but hopefully God, as we go through and explore this Bible verse, uh, will be yeah, revealing more of who he is and who we are in him this morning. So the first point that we can learn from this short reading from Corinthians is simply this, is we are all different. We're unique. God has not made any single person here in this room the same as anybody else or even in the world either. We all have different personalities. We're all naturally good at probably slightly different things. One of the most well-known personality traits or differences that people sort of uh, put into groups is well-known introvert or extrovert. I did this uh, poll at the 9.30 service and about 80% of that service thought they were introverts. So let's do a little poll here. Hands up if you think you're an introvert. 
Okay. Hands up if you think you're an extrovert. Ooh. You are, we're, we're all a little bit of both. What it means is, do you, um, uh, what it generally means is, where do you get your, your energy from? Do you more get your energy from spending it with other people or do you more sort of feel recharged and get, and get energy from being on your own? We all need to be on our own and we all need to have people around us at times of time, but it's where, where does that, that split lie? That's interesting. Most people here think they're introverts as well. That's really cool. Hope you're okay being here around everybody else. I mean, I'm, I'm an introvert and I love um, actually, I love being around other people. I really enjoy finding out how everybody's weeks are going and just chatting and being up front here. I absolutely love it. But if I don't get enough alone time, I can get rather grumpy and short with people. But whether you like these uh, tests or not that you can do, you can do tests to find out whether you're that. Has anyone here done a Myers-Briggs test? In the this, I did one ages ago. I was INTJ, just out of curiosity. Is anyone here an INTJ or can remember that? Now, apparently that's a reasonably rare one. There was one person at the 9.30 that was that as well, other than me. Um, Myers-Briggs splits us into 16 different types of personality groups. But like I said, whether or not you like the test, the idea behind them is that they show us, don't they, that people are different. You're answering questions. You think, well, how would I respond to that? And you know, when I do it, I often I think about my wife, and I think, well, I know she would respond in a totally different way to that situation than I naturally would. And part of that is down to our experience. Oh, we looked at that last week, but part of that is actually down to our God-given personalities. I remember when we had our first born. I've got two daughters, just in case you don't know. Uh, when we had our firstborn uh, child, uh, we were met, as you do, lots of other parents that had just had their child, and lots of them were complaining about how their child would like was still waking up at the night and wanting feeding every two hours. And we were like thinking, it's not our experience. You know, you should just do it like this. They'll sleep through the night, and you know. Quite quickly, we learned that wasn't the right thing to say, but internally, you know, I was being quite arrogant and thinking, oh, I've got this parenting thing sussed. Then we had our second child. Did exactly the same thing. Very different result with sleeping. Even from an early age, you know, your children, if you've had them, you know, they respond, they laugh and giggle at different things. You can see their personalities and abilities and things that they naturally want to do, like wake up in the middle of the night or sleep through the night, right from very early on. Last week, uh, Catherine was at one of her curate training days and I had to go with her because Patrick was away, so I was pretending to be her training incumbent. And we were actually uh, doing something on personalities. Forgive me for a second. We all had to fill out something beforehand and uh, all the uh, people there got given one of these cards. And depending on how you answered, you got different colors and things put on you. And we all put these on and stood up. And it was just a really good visual picture that in this room you had a bunch of ministers all called to serve God, but all totally different colors and different bits. Not one card was exactly the same. We were doing it and somebody asked a really interesting question. 
And it really got me thinking. I was already thinking about what I was going to say here. And the question was, if Jesus filled out this questionnaire, what personality would he be? I think it was a really good question, wasn't it? And the premise, I think, behind it was, well, if we're supposed to be Christ-like, surely there's like this perfect personality, this, this, this thing that we should, oh, this way of being that we should go after. But the more I reflected on it, I actually thought, I don't think that's true, and I don't think what that means to be in the likeness of Christ. Like even if you go in scripture and you look at Adam and Eve, they had different personalities. They were without sin, but they had different personalities. And then you look sort of post-fall at all the characters and the people that, that God used in scripture. You had Moses, who was, um, well, he said himself, he was weak in speech, messed up big time. God used him. You had Esther, who was a really... Uh, deep and a patient thinker showed great courage to save a nation in very wise way. You had David who was brave and bold in different ways. You had Solomon, his son, who was incredibly wise. You had Samson who was physically very strong, Deborah, insightful, Gideon, quite a fearful personality. And then Jesus' disciples as well fishermen, tax collectors, zealots that were political revolutionaries, doubters, thinkers, people that were impulsive and cautious, people with incredibly different personality traits and abilities. Yet God used all of them in incredibly powerful ways. He took their strengths and molded them for his purposes. When Paul is writing the reading that we heard to the, to the church at Corinth, we know that there were people in the church that were particularly clambering, maybe after certain spiritual gifts or being seen as a certain way, as this way, as this sort of holy people to be looked after, to have this set of knowledge and this skills. And Paul in this chapter and that whole chapter that we heard, we just had a bit of it, is, is saying to them that you don't all need to be the same. You're different and you're different for a reason. He says, you know, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Paul is saying, look, God has made us, the body, the church, to be different. So why do you want to be something else than who you are? God wants you to be you. It would be really boring, I think, if we came to church on a Sunday and we were all the same. Could you just imagine we all came dressed looking the same, saying the same thing, all liking exactly the same thing? I would not be able to have some brilliant conversations with Barbara around music and different types of hymns. I'd not be able to have conversations and we perhaps, you know, different types of styles of preaching and things like that. It would be really boring if we were all exactly the same. So we need to know that we're unique. And the obvious next point is if we're unique, we need to own our part. We need to know ourselves. Verse 18 said, but in fact, God placed the parts of the body 
every one of them just where or as he wanted them to be. You are the body. God placed you as part of it exactly where he wanted you to be. God made you and placed you to be an active member of his community here on earth. No one is exempt. I love the fact that Paul uses the image of, of the body here. Because what it's saying is, you know, our body, they're, they're all connects, all connected up, isn't it? You know, and if one part of the body's hurting or not functioning as it should, it doesn't just impact that small part, but the rest of the body knows about it. You know, if we fall and we hurt our knee, for example, yes, our knee hurts and it can be a pain physically, but it can also be a pain for other things because it can slow us down. It can stop us from getting where we want to be in the right way. It can also stop us from doing certain things as well. And that's the same analogy that Paul is using for the church. If you're not using who you are, how God has made you, it's not just you letting God down, but actually you're impacting, sadly, Christ's church. In Romans, Paul says this, God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. Now, when we come to Christ, I believe we receive new spiritual gifts, but they also have, like we talked about, natural abilities, things that come out from day one. We can also see, I could see personality in my children from day one that was different, but I also think there's, there's different abilities that we have from really early on. Um, there's some people that say they can spot um, different personality types just from watching kids in primary school playground. Like somebody said, I can spot leaders in a primary school playground and told a story of that, uh, watching a group of um, children just playing and one of them said, well, let's go and play tag. And a couple of them just went, yeah, okay. They didn't know what else to do. But one of them immediately turned around and said, I, I don't want to play tag. You guys go on. I just want to go and play football. So he went off on his own, got the football and started playing. But do you know what happened? Those original three that were going to go and play tag never played tag. They just followed him and ended up playing football. Why? Because that child was a leader. He didn't know what he was doing, but he just said something and people followed him. That's how people are wired. Do you know how God has wired you? What's your personality? What are your abilities? If you're in a small group, as part of this uh, Made for Good series, there's, gonna be, there's some questionnaires and things that you can do that help you identify perhaps more about it yourselves, some of the God-given abilities and your personality types as well, and get you to think about actually as you know them, what might God be putting on your heart to do with those things? But one thing to say about these questionnaires and these things that we do and that we fill out is they're really good and they're helpful to be a guide, but they're not a rule to live your life by. We must first look to God and hear what he has to say about us. Let him and the godly people close to you 
be your best guide and be the judge, not what a questionnaire might do. We've all had words that have been said to us, oh, you're no good at this, or you shouldn't do this. Don't necessarily listen to them, listen to God first. Did you know David Beckham was once told by his school career advisor to stop focusing on football and think of something serious to do instead? Also, I don't know if you knew this, but Einstein was diagnosed as mentally slow when he was at school and teach, some teachers said he shouldn't even come. Our current Archbishop of Canterbury, when he first went for ordination selection, was described as the worst candidate a selector had ever seen. What? How has God made you? What is he putting on your heart? Listen to his voice and not ungodly or maybe people that try to be helpful around you might say. So we're all different. We need to know ourselves, play our part, but we also, final thing, obvious one, touched on it already, we need to see the value in others. Verse 19, if we were all one part, where would the body be? Just as each part of the body has different strengths and weaknesses, so we also have different strengths and weaknesses. Really obvious. Going back to this card that I put on at the start and you're wearing, you can see it's got different uh, numbers on it if you're close enough. Um, and one of the things it, we looked at as we were looking at all the strengths and how we can res respond well in different ways, there were also things that we learned that we, on this thing. They talked about excesses. Things that perhaps um, we're naturally wired where, that we can go to quite quickly that perhaps aren't necessarily godly and helpful ways to respond in certain situations. That's why we need community. That's one of the reasons why we need other people around us to help us in our weaknesses. For those areas where we're not strong, that can be someone else's strengths. Where we're weak, we can have help. And when we mess up, we can have somebody come and lovingly tell us so. We can become more aware and we can be the best, the healthiest body church that we can be. We need to be aware of our weaknesses, but we also need to be aware of our strengths and other people's strengths so that we can work together. Before I finish, um, we're gonna watch a short video now. I interviewed somebody who did the SHAPE course a while ago, and she's going to share her experience. Hi, I'm Sonia. So my experience with SHAPE was, it was making, it was understanding what I, what. I'm actually good at and realising that actually I'm not, don't need to be good at everything and actually the gifts and talents I've been given are there for a purpose. So my experience was actually to understand where I was come, what, what I was meant to be doing, not trying to do everything that actually I'm not good at. So 
Richard asked me to, if I would talk about the shape course, but if he'd asked me to come and speak to you at the front of church, there's no way you would have got me in front of church. But actually sitting doing a video, just chatting is so different. Um, and I would never speak at front of church, ever. <laughs> You'll always find me behind a coffee pot or a, in the kitchen. So actually just reinforcing that that's where I should be and what I should be doing. I can do hospitality. I can talk to people. Um, but I, so it's, it's just understanding what you've been given and how you can use those to serve God. So catering, for example, I was a chef for many years, so um, it, was a, it was a gift that was given to me, not everybody can do that. Week three or something of the things that, of all these abilities, and you tick whether you're good or not at it. And it shows actually, that actually not everyone's the same, not everyone's got the same abilities. And it helps you to find the role that you can do whether it be in church, whether it be at home, whether it be at work, without actually forcing yourself to do something that you think you should be doing and you're not, you're, it's not in your ability, your, um, your, within your gifts. From the SHAPE course, you do learn, you, there is a bit where you, you talk about what you're passionate about and actually it made me think about what I was really passionate about, what I was focused on and where I should focus more energy. So my passion actually I've discovered is um, people being not being hungry and so supporting things like the food bank. Um, and it actually sort of really cemented what I thought I was passionate about. Being a short course, it makes you focus on what you what you think you're about, but because you're doing it on a course, you can actually spend that time dedicated to finding your gifts, your passions, and what you what you should be doing. The final verse of our reading said this. And now you, that's you, plural, there, are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. What part of it are you? Find out more. One more thing before I finish. You'll notice that says 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27, it comes really towards the end of 1 Corinthians 12. And we all know what follows 1 Corinthians 12. Anyone ever been to a church wedding? 1 Corinthians 13, the most famous description of love. Not written about how a husband and wife should treat each other, although it is a really good um, basis for how a husband and wife should treat each other. It's actually written by Paul to a church about how the church community should treat one another. The church in Corinth was going after all these special gifts and this and that. And he says, no, you've each got your own part. 
your own personality, your own abilities. Use them. But use them, he says, going after and being a community of love that is patient with one another, that perseveres, that wants to do and rejoices in doing good things and truthful things, that hates wrongdoing, but that also is quick to forgive. It's a community that we hopefully, as we look to Christ and look at how he kept going in love through all the different ups and downs and all the different people that he interacted with. He kept going, he kept persevering in doing the right thing, in being good and loving. And that's what he's encouraging us as his disciples to do as well, to keep going in love with how we're made to be. And we need to do it as a community, each of us playing our part, shaped and guided by him. Amen. Thank you so much, Richard. And I don't